I just keep thinking like when you write that flow, if someone is asking you like, how does that feel? Like, doesn't it feel almost silly to be like, it feels so fucking good. Really? You're just like, I mean, this is crazy, isn't it? Like, that's what I keep thinking. I go, I mean, isn't this bananas? Like, that's, that's kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I always call it, I mean, my friends call it like the awkward, awkward girl drama. You know, the, we're always the awkward girls. And, uh, you know, we always joke that it's hard to be like the sexy one. How does one even be the sexy one? Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Alex Rosa joins us for today's installment of Steam Scenes. Alex lives in Los Angeles, California. By day, she's a digital marketing manager. By night, a writer of swoon-worthy books. And somewhere in between, she's also half of the podcast, Book Babes and Bubbles, which is so fun. I highly recommend <laughs> everybody go and listen to that, too. With nearly 10 years of writing experience, she has published five novels, including the Trist series with Intermix, Penguin Random House's digital imprint a pop culture fanatic, cemetery creeper, which we will talk about, and self-proclaimed nerd. She's always following her favorite fandoms, the latest foodie finds, or picking her next city excursion or outdoor undertaking. Her obsessions are on the brink of bizarre, but that's just the way she likes it. Her latest book, Unwritten, was released on September 15th. Welcome, Alex, to Steam Scenes. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, wow. Where to begin? I mean, there's so much cool about you that, <laughs> um, that I don't even know where to begin. So I, I want to say, first of all, I, I usually at the end, like say, okay, where can people find you? And I just want to throw out there that I was like trolling around on your website. I, no, not troll. I was lurking. I don't say troll and I mean lurking. I'm not a troll, I swear. Um, and your website is so cool. Thank you. I just redid it this year and it was a big project, but I'm madly in love with it and I'm very proud. Yeah, it looked like it was probably a big project because there's so much there and I absolutely love it. And I love that you do like this lifestyle element that I thought was really awesome because I'm kind of like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, I don't know. I I like reading about people's lives and I should probably put more of mine out there in the world. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of make it more like I, I know a lot of authors put their websites out there and it's just like book information. Yeah. But I, I think that's the digital marketing manager side of me. But I just love like social media and blogging. And I wanted to use my website for a little bit more. And I, you know, I love lifestyle things. I read other bloggers stuff. I love makeup and skincare and traveling. And I was like, you know what? Some people told me like, you need to focus. And I'm like, I'm going to do it all. <laughs> so I'm going to do, do a little bit of everything on my website and if people are just looking for books they can go find the books but if they want like my favorite skincare you know products they can also find it here or if they're looking to travel to the desert here's the blog so it's funny because here's a like random fun fact that nobody in the world pretty much knows i'm a licensed esthetician in new york state oh nice so yeah so like 
I know all about that skincare. Like, I love skincare products. Like, I'm such a nerd with skincare products. I'm like, oh, let's talk ingredients. So I should probably just do that on the blog. Why not? I mean, why not? I mean, a part of me is always like, if when you think of it from a marketing perspective, I'm like, whatever drives traffic to my website and gets people to get to know me better, but also like highlights my books. I mean, there's, there's little slip-ins here or there. Here's my favorite products. But also if you're looking for, you know, while you have that face mask on, here's my book. <laughs> you know? oh, so while you're, while you're masking your face, read this. Exactly. <laughs> Which is actually super, super fun. You know, I've been trying to incorporate into my books and I'm kind of curious if, if this is something that you do or you've been thinking about doing like little snippets about like, like if a character is cooking, I'll have them like cook one of my recipes. It's something I just started. Cause then I was like, well, when this book comes out, I might be able to do like a Facebook live and cook the recipe for people who are interested, you know? So I'm curious, do you do that? No, I don't. But I think that people are doing that. And I think it's really fun when you, there are like companion elements to books, like, like recipes or music and stuff like that. Um, I think that makes it doubly fun, especially if they're, if it's a series or they love the characters and you're like, Oh, I really want to make that the cookies that, or the baking, you know, the pie for the characters. I think that that is really fun. Um, Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's something I just started experimenting with and I was curious if anybody else is doing it. I know Colleen Hoover did like the companion uh, album that to maybe someday. And I remember that like each chapter had like its own song. And I remember being like royally hooked to the album. I've never had like a music uh, reading experience like that, but I could see that happening with like recipes too. Where you're like, oh, I love this scene so much, I need to bake this these cookies like right now. That's interesting. So was it was it original songs that she? Wrote it was, or? yeah, it was wow. original songs. Um, she, I mean, she does all the all the things, but um, yeah, it was an original album by Griffith Peterson. I hope I'm getting that right. And he did original songs for each. If if you haven't read Maybe Someday with the music, I highly recommend. It's one of my number one uh, recommended books uh, to my friends if they haven't read any of her stuff. Um, it's just was so cool, and you can because in the book the one of the characters writes music. There's a musical element to right. the story. So um, it's very cool. Very, very cool. That is because I, my writing, my, my romance writing, I do rock star romances. So I, so I was like actually thinking, oh, maybe if when I do an audio book, I should talk, talk to some artists who could like, you know, break up chapters with music. Like, but this is actually a really cool idea that to do it yeah. even not even, not even with an audio book. I think it's a great idea. I mean, and in the book, I remember like, it would be like, here, listen to this song or like in the book that he would write a song about her. And then they would tell you which song to listen to in the, um, on the album. And then you'd listen to it and then you'd read the next chapter. So I highly recommend it was so fun. That's cool. That's really cool. I'm going to check that out. Oh, I love it. So Alex, we're here to talk about you though. And we're here to talk about sex. So yes. Uh, first question is when did you realize you wanted to become a writer? You know, I think it's really funny. I feel like, I think I always wanted to be a writer, but no one told me that it could be a career, which just sounds so funny. Like I remember in high school wanting to like work in journalism, but no one was ever like, 
hey, you can become a writer. We're reading these books and this could be you. Like, I think they really need to kind of amplify that in schools more. And I, I always agree. think of this. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like, because it was so accidental on how I realized I wanted to become a writer. And I always think of the scene in Becoming Jane. I don't know if you've seen Becoming Jane with um, uh, Anne Hathaway. It's a Jane Austen movie. And mm-hmm. she's trying to convince her mom to want, that she's going to be a writer. And her mom's like, do you want to till your own damn potatoes? And um, I just always think of that because people... People say, oh, you can't make money being a writer. You know, there's nothing in it. And uh, no, I I disagree. I kind of stumbled into it. I learned that I wanted to be a writer when I found a genre and style of writing that really resonated me and my storytelling. Because I've always kind of been a storyteller. So it was when I stumbled into reading those books. But um, I was posting online. And once it started, like, kind of going, getting popular, I was like, this is a thing I can, I could do this. And then I met other writers and authors and, and publishers and editors. And I was like, this is a, this is an industry. This is a thing. Uh, but it really wasn't until I was in college that I really learned that, um, that you could become a writer and you could be successful at it. They just, they just don't teach kids that. I don't know why. No, they don't. They, that's actually something that they discourage. I felt like, you know what I totally. mean? It's always, I was always told, well, writing is something that you can do on the side. You can do it on, you know, in your spare time. Yeah. It's not something you can make a living at. Yeah. And when I finished my first book at first, it was like, oh, that's cute. And I was just like, okay, well, it's not just cute. It's kind of what I want to do with my life. You know, it's, and yeah. I know, I'll, I know a lot of authors struggle with the hobby commentary, right? It's like, oh, well, that's a really cute hobby. And it's like, no, this is kind of like my career now. And I really want that. I want your support so I can blossom. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said you started like putting stuff online, do you mean you were doing serialized stories or something like that? Kind of yeah. like Wattpad or Yes. Back in the day, I don't do this anymore, but um, I feel like I was a part of the OG Wattpad um, era oh, in like okay. 2010 ish area. Cause my first novel I published in 2013, which was published seriously, serially on, um, uh, on Wattpad, but was kind of crazy because no one taught me that writing kind of books and stuff was a thing I started posting this romantic suspense novel um that ended up becoming uh, emotionally compromised my first book and it did really well and I was I was hooked um serially writing was really what kind of got me into I was starting to get addicted to it because it was so fun interacting with readers Mm -hmm. and um and you know this is oh it's actually how (laughs) Wattpad is the reason how I got my um publishing deal I started after I finished Emotionally Compromised I started writing Trist which blew up and um someone reached out to me from Penguin Random House for their digital imprint and said hey I really like this book would you be interested in publishing with us and I was like oh my god this is a thing (laughs) this is happening (laughs) and you just didn't at that time now it's kind of more common to like I don't know if it's more common but I think people hear about it a lot more often but that was that was during the boom I I, during I you know 2013 to between 2013 2015 I think there were a lot of publishers who were looking online I mean E.L. James you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, that was posted on fanfiction.net. Christina, Christina Lauren, they were posting their fanfiction first before they became huge. So I think I just kind of got into, I just happened to be in this weird era where online writing was a thing. But again, like, you know, romance, I think, started to boom during that time. I think it was just good timing overall. Right. Well, you just, you said um, with Trist, you said that it just exploded. And, uh, and I'm kind of curious, like, do you know, do you have any idea what, what resonated with readers? 
So my my guess is um, is that new adult was a very new genre during that time. Now it's sort of a standard thing, um, which is great because it's my favorite genre. But I think at the time, readers might have felt a lot like how I had felt as a writer, which is you were either reading angsty YA for the love story or like contemporary romance that felt a little bit, I mean, contemporary fiction that felt a little bit over your head and wasn't giving you all the pieces, even though you liked it. And mm -hmm. I feel like new adult was the college romance um, aspect of Trist was very new at the time because it was becoming more defined. And right. I, my guess is that that's really what resonated is that college kids and, you know, people, you know, uh, seniors in high school are getting out and college kids finally had a genre that felt like their own. And that's kind of the, the, the genre I had written in at the time. That's Trist is a new adult novel. Gotcha. Cool. So what drew you to, to the romance genre in particular? It sounds like you were a fan first and then transitioned to writing. Yeah. So this is a funny story too. I feel like I accidentally found this genre around 2011 because I was either like, you know, like I was saying, I was either reading like young adult um, or contemporary fiction. Um, and, but I loved the romance element and right. I accidentally, so I just, you know, at the time I was reading a lot on my phone and I was on iBooks yeah. and the number one book, well, I had never read a romance novel. I actually didn't even know it existed other than like uh, historical romances, you know, those bodice rippers. I mean, I knew those yeah. existed, but I was like, that's probably not my thing. So the number one book in the iBook store at the time was 50 shades of gray. I had no idea what it was, but I just needed to read. And I think we've all been there where you're like, okay, I'm just going to read the best-selling novel because it's supposed to be good. And I read it. And I remember getting into the second chapter and being like, Oh, this is very naughty. And I was like, but I can't stop reading it. And I, I feel like this was like before the faux pas of Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, this is a genre. I need to find more. Like, does this exist? And um, I ended up stumbling. I still didn't know if I wanted to write in the genre. I just knew the style of the writing. I was like, oh, I kind of like the storytelling. This is when I stumbled into um, S.C. Stevens' Thoughtless series and Cora Carmack's Losing It. And that's when I was like, I want to write books just like this they were funny and super fast paced and I feel like when I read it they were like the way I thought like the way I would tell stories so it was just this kind of weird journey on how I accidentally bought Fifty Shades of Grey and then I was like oh I'm gonna read this genre now because this is an actual thing and then uh and then I found authors that I like just could not put down that's so cool that's really cool um so to you then, as, as, a, as a romance writer and a reader, like what to you, what makes an intimate scene good? Yeah, I had to think on this question a little bit, um, and I think it carries over a lot, is you just have to know your characters and what makes them tick and connect. Um, I, and if you... And I think your reader can really feel that connection. And that's when it's such a win, when you understand um, what makes, you know, what makes them come together. And it really comes through an intimate scene from like the sensual to the sweet to the kinky and building that success, I mean, that success, building that suspense uh, when you know. Also success. Yes. Also success. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's funny. I have the word orgasm right here, but I like the word success better. Building the suspense <laughs> and the success when you know your characters and they feel genuine and equally as hot. I just think it's such a win-win uh, when you don't really know your characters and I think the plot can be a little bit weak I think it shows in in it can show at least in those sex scenes and um, I just really appreciate like a very genuine story connection and I think when the author knows the characters well it comes through in those very intimate scenes
Right. Well, in for your first for your first intimate scene, what was that like to write? Was it did, was it weird? Was it easy? Was it complicated? Yeah. I felt so naughty. Um, I yeah. knew I wanted to write it. I felt so naughty. I was like, I was gosh. When I wrote my first, I knew I wanted to write it. Right. I was like, I'm gonna write this. It was a romantic suspense novel, and um, I was writing online. And all I can remember thinking was, Is this okay? <laughs> like, is this right that I'm going to do that because it was you know do I go all the way or do I fade to black I'm not really sure what I'm going to do um and then I kept thinking are my parents going to read this and at the time I thought no and then eventually it turned into yes they will read this which is unfortunate but uh yeah like I I just remember kind of going I'm just going to do it but it ended up doing really well because people love romance novels but I I I was so nervous at first, but I think it came out really nicely. <laughs> if I could look back myself on the back, I was like, okay, that's pretty good. I, I'm proud of myself. Did So when you said you were sort of struggling with, do I fade to black or do I mm-hmm. show it all? Like what made you decide, make, what made you sort of step in and say, I'm just going to show it all. Or did you fade to black that first one? I did not fade to black in the first one because I thought, um, I always kind of step back and I go, I ask myself, what kind of romance novel do I want to make this? Because I think there are different types. I think there, there are romance novels that just fade to black and that's perfectly fine. And I, I, I read a lot of them. And then there are some that you, you want to up that steam level. And I think I, I just had decided that uh, that 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 book specifically was going to take it to the next level. I was going to write this from start to finish. Um, I, it, yeah, it was just kind of the deciding factor of like, what kind of book did I want to make this? So when your parents read it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that oh, is man. like that is like I'm like oh no. I'm, so, like, I'm like you don't. I'm always saying to my family, you don't need to read this, and I was horrified when one of my like older cousins was like oh we're gonna have a reading club I was like no you're not no, no. not that book so my dad actually said to me the other day um he was like well when I read your book and I was like could you not and he actually stopped me he was like you're old enough now and we're adults and I no longer want to have this conversation I want to just be proud of your work and I just want to be proud Aww. of you and is support you so let's just pretend I'm not your dad like let's just like talk about this. And it was like this weird moment. Like, I think I've been writing since, gosh, I, since 2013, 2011. I don't even know now. And it's been a long time. And my dad was like, let's cut the shit. <laughs> let's cut the shit. I get it. You know, I make you uncomfortable, but I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I just want to make you proud. So I just want to be proud of you. And uh, it was a really sweet conversation, but I was like, okay, I mean, great. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, that is super sweet, but super I would still sweet. be so awkward like I don't know it's just something so, so awkward yeah one time I told my dad not to read it was on my first book and I went on Amazon one day and his review popped up no yes and <laughs> his review popped up and I was like and it was such a sweet review and but it was also like such a dad review but guess what Amazon removed it because we have the same last name instead of the same IP address at the time oh and so, right <laughs> so Amazon was like this feels like spam but my dad actually like reviewed the book and um and said very nice things and um 
I think overall he likes my storytelling ability. He always has. Um, but I thought that was the sweetest thing. I have very supportive parents. They're very sweet. My mom reads all my books too. Oh my God. That's super yeah. cute. Did you like screenshot it? Do you still have it? <laughs> I, I wonder if I could find it. I bet you my dad has it in his Amazon history or something. Cause that is just the cutest yeah. thing that your dad is like reviewing your first sexy, sexy romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents are awesome. huge movie buffs. Um, so they love storytelling. It's like their thing. So books and movies. I mean, I was, that was like what I was, that was breakfast, lunch, and dinner at my house. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really great. So do you have, do you have like a process for writing? Like some writers just have their, their rituals or their routines. Do you have like a process for when you get to a steamier section or is it just the same? Is it just, you just sit down and you just write? I definitely need to like take some time to think on it. Um, I, I don't know what the process is for other people, but I, I tend to like, I don't know, build it in my head and like kind of create that dream sequence and play it out and kind of go through conversations. And I definitely have to like sit on it for a few days, uh, sometimes weeks if I'm like really trying to pick through it. I mean, that's kind of how I plot most books anyways, but especially on those steamy scenes, I feel like I need to take some time. It's usually like, you know, right before bed, I'm like thinking through the scenes that I want to write through in the next morning, but I'm definitely putting the building blocks together. Um, in my head before I get it down on paper, but it's usually like a, like I'll sleep on it sort of thing. Okay. Cause I know for like, for me, it's like my whole writing process when I get to those, this is why I started this podcast comes to like a screeching halt when I have to write those scenes and I struggle to like get the words out. And so I'm just always like wondering how do you, how do you approach it so that you're able to actually get the words out on paper or pixel? Yeah. What's funny is I'm also struggling with this right now. I have this, uh, I'm coming out with, uh, my book is out unwritten and that is my first book that I've published in three years. And, um, and now that I'm writing again, I find myself stumbling when I get to these sex scenes again. And, um, again, I, I'm with you. I have to stop and all sort of, <laughs> the worst thing is if I stop, skip it and then continue writing. And then when yeah. I come back later, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so I try not to do that, but usually if I feel myself halting, I'll, I just have to walk away and then I'll come back to it. Hopefully I'll come back to it and I don't get distracted with like, I don't know, cleaning my house or you know <laughs> cuddling my cat or something. And, um, but I do find myself struggling, but I do know that starting a new novel when, when the idea is clear, when I'm excited about an idea, it's effortless. Um, and that's, that's the point where I'm trying to get to right now yeah. is I'm trying to reignite and get excited about it. And I'm, I'm currently excited about my work in progress, but I do find myself going, Oh, here it is. Here's the sex scene. I got to go in. But, um, but it's a lot easier for me when I'm very excited to get through it. Okay. All right. Cause yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it's so funny to sort of hit that stumble and I'm wondering like, where's my block? Like where, where what do yeah. you think is causing that stumble for you? You know, I, for me, I worry that it's nerves, um, getting back into writing. I, some, you know, I, it's that imposter syndrome, right? We all suffer yeah, from it. And I go, it. can I do this? Can I, am I, can I still do this? Um, is it going to work? Is it going to flow? And you know what I'm realizing is I will write something, think it's complete crap, walk away, go for a hike, go for a walk or something, come back and I'll read it. And I'll be like, you know what? that was friggin' good. <laughs> so right. why am I getting mad at myself? Why am I, why am I telling myself that I can't do it? So I think it's just like, you know, you just got to build yourself up, you know? Um, that's what I'm realizing for me that nothing is ever, 
I, you know, I've been writing for so long, I have to remember, hey, I know what I'm doing. Just because I haven't, you know, writing in a few years, I mean, I still get it. I know it. Well, I'm curious because coming from your start on Wattpad, where you kind of get that instant feedback from the readers. Yeah, it's like a high. <laughs> and then, I know. Don't you? I love hearing from my readers. Yeah. It's like, because, you know, you so, you sort of spend so much time alone with this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're by yourself. You spend all this time alone with this thing. And then you send it out into the world and you like the crickets, if the crickets come back, it's like, it's, it's almost more devastating, you know, because you, you want that feedback. Like I want the feedback. I want to hear from people, you know, I want, you know, my readers to come back to me and say, Hey, I just read this book. I thought it was really cool when this, or could you explain this? Or, you know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid yeah. to like reach out to me because I love it. Yeah. Honestly, I miss that sort of feeling because yeah. it made me want to write, fa write fast. It made me want to write more. It made me excited about these characters. When I saw that these readers were excited, it made me feel like I was doing the right thing. And I think it comes with, and I'm always jealous of writers like uh, that can write super fast. Yes. Like they're coming out with a book a month. I go, I, I, I pray down to you. Like, I wish I could do that. Um, I feel like you can find that high when you're coming out with books very often because uh, people are leaving reviews, they're into your series. I feel like you can get that same sort of, uh, you know, uh, feedback that kind of fuels you forward. I tend to write maybe a couple books a year. I would really like to up that, but when you have a day job and a life yeah. and like, it's just so, so, so difficult. But um, I, I, I definitely feel that fuel when I get people's feedback. But that's the great thing about like having a beta reader group or a Facebook group and where you can share it. And I know a lot of my, you know, writing friends, they, they, they definitely use their fan base to kind of um, like, what are they, be their hype men, hype women, yeah. you know, you yeah. got this. Let's, I love this scene, you know? Um, but it is tough, like writing in salt, like in silence in your room and you're shelling out books and you write an entire book with no feedback. And you're like, gosh, I, I hope this is all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have been weird for you coming from a situation, from a platform where you're constantly getting feedback to sort of, you know, sort of closing the curtain again and having to be by yourself. I mean, yeah. for me, I tried Wattpad. It didn't work for me because I'm the type of writer where like my first draft is a mess and I wasn't able to put things up, clean enough copies up fast enough on Wattpad for mm -hmm. me to feel confident with the work that I was putting up. So like I tried it and for me, it just wasn't, it just wasn't conducive to the way that I work. So I'm in awe of people that can do it that way. Yeah. I think again, I lucked out because I didn't, when I got on Wattpad, I had no intention of publishing. I was just doing it to sort of fill my time. So when I was putting it up, I had no no second thoughts about like when it was up, it was up with all the spelling errors and the plot holes and all that sort of stuff. Cause I didn't really know enough about that process, but mm -hmm. I'm with you. Like if I were to publish on Wattpad now, I don't think I would want to put something so unpolished because let's say a bunch of readers are getting, are reading it. First off, I don't want to lose those readers to when the book comes out, but what if it's different? What if it's so different and I'm changing names and places and um, yeah. So I don't know if I could do it now. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Wattpad was sort of like this great thing. And then I guess 
I don't know. It just, is it, is it still, is it still churning along? I kind of stopped paying attention. Yeah. I kind of stopped paying attention. I think it's still chugging along. I think there's a lot of dividing opinions about Wattpad, whether it's a good and bad thing. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know. uh, I think it was really great in the beginning and I feel really lucky to start it now, but I think it's a lot harder as a writer now to be on there. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about, you know, their publishing process because they have their, they do their own publishing and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a lot of questions about that, whether it's the right route um, and stuff like that. But as far as if you're going in, you know, with an open mind and you're just looking to, you know, shop some stuff and get some feedback, I think it's pretty harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, but anybody I know who's kind of like a super serious author who already isn't established within the platform, because one layer, if you're coming in new and in as a newbie, it's hard to rise to the top with anything, especially on any type of social media um, yeah. to market it correctly to get readers right i'm saying yeah i got like millions of views on my book but i don't think that's normal for everybody just jumping on the platform so everything takes time to build so i you know everything requires patience so i don't think i would necessarily use it now um unless i just was kind of dicking around with some (laughs) some stories right Um, right but again i'm with you i don't really pay too much attention about it um i do know they have some very popular groups anna todd who wrote um that uh that one direction fan fiction after and stuff i mean she's still going strong i think in partnering with wattpad um but that's all i can think of right now yeah so cool well okay um i wanted to sort of jump in and talk about unwritten first because that just came out and i wanted to tell me about the book yeah, it's a it's a small town second chance romance. Um, it's one of my sweeter stories. Uh, I really am madly in love with it. It's a people keep joking with me that it's a little meta. Um, it's about a girl, a, a woman who uh, ends up wanting to be a writer, and she lives in this small town in Colorado. And she pretty much leaves her entire life at like nineteen to go to LA to become this writer. But she leaves her mom, who owns a diner, and she doesn't want to to like own the diner. And she also leaves this guy. Um, her, you know. She kind of had this uh, sweetheart, high school sweetheart. They've been, you know, together pretty much since they were kids and they're neighbors. It's very sweet. But she pretty much gives him an ultimatum. You come to L.A. with me for this dream or stay here. And he chooses to stay and it breaks them apart. Um, She ends up, the book starts and comes back um, after uh, her mom passes away. But so she has to return after five years. And uh, but at this time, she's made it big. It took five years, but she came out with her first book. It blew up. It's got a movie deal. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. But what she is hiding is that the book is kind of about her and that dude. And um, and so when she goes back to the town, she has to face everyone and this sort of person that she misses and her, um, you know, old love whose name is Caden. And she comes back and she gets to reconnect with all her friends, but she's got a lot of guilt about her mom and abandoning her friends and seeing this guy. And, but it's really, really sweet and everything falls into place, but it's kind of her like finding herself and dealing with those issues and also kind of realizing what she walked away from and how, you know, is love enough? Do you compromise? You know, can she have both of these lives? And it's the crew of friends that really help her get through it. And it's really cute. And uh, it's really steamy at times too. the romance between Caden, you know, she comes back and he's got a girlfriend and she's got to deal with that. So she's just trying to piece together her old life and she doesn't really know who she is. So it's these uh, friends and this guy who kind of help her find it and um, just figure it out. So um, 
it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun and super sweet. What inspired this? I love a good small town romance. I grew up in a big city. I'm from San Diego and now I live in LA and I don't know there is something so magical. I don't, it's because I just live in a concrete jungle and I, um, I just love a good small town romance. And a lot of inspiration came from like Sweet Home Alabama. I really love that movie. I think it's super cute and uh, very funny. All of my books tend to, I can't not put it in. I always joke about this. They all have like a romantic comedy element because I can't not be funny. Like I, I don't even know how to be serious. I feel like, so the, the book unwritten is super funny. Everyone, the dialogue is really witty and all that sort of stuff. So the inspiration is like sweet home Alabama and sort of my fantasy of wanting to live in sort of a small town where everybody knows everybody and everyone's connected and really passionate about everyone's, you know, in a negative way, because everyone gossips and stuff, but in a positive way, because everyone cares, uh, for the most part. (laughs) So always room for drama. You know, it's funny, you you mentioned, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, and that your parents are big movie people, and sort of, so growing up, movies were instrumental, I would assume, in your, in your life. And so, very curious, what do you think was the the golden age of of rom-coms? You know, I, this is funny because I don't think the storytelling is the best, but oh my God, I love 90s rom-coms so much. I'm literally (laughs) making my boyfriend watch all my favorite rom-coms because I'm like, oh, have you seen this one? He's like, no. And I was like, that's what we're watching. We just watched Can't Hardly Wait um, recently, which is that high school romance with Seth Green and, and Jennifer Love Hewitt. We watched She's All That. We watched 10 Things I Hate About You, you know? uh, Yeah. They're just so good. And I don't know. I mean, it's, there's just something so great. So that is my favorite rom-com era. Um, I can't stop watching them lately. Um, and and I'm forcing my boyfriend to watch them all too. Any, any rom-com with Sandy Bullock, I'm there. Oh my God. Yes. Because she was like the queen of that, you know, while we, while, while you were sleeping like, oh my God. Why don't people talk about that movie more? Like while we were sleeping, it's like, it's totally faded away. I, my, my mom loves that movie. So I know that she, we watched that together a lot, but when I mention it to people, they're like, Oh, and I go, it's Sandra Bullock. And they're like, Miss Congeniality. I was like, no, before that, before Before, that, she did a lot before that. (laughs) Yeah. And that was such a great movie. And you're absolutely right. It's just kind of been like relegated to the dustbin of movie history. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Another one that comes to mind that no one ever talks about. Did you ever see French kiss with Kevin Klein? And Meg Ryan. Yes, and Meg Ryan, and he's I Einstein. I love them. Yes, it's yes. so funny. <laughs> so funny. That is a cute one, and it's got so like the time travel element <laughs> or whatever it is. Like, it's really, it's a really great movie. That's a fun movie. Um, cool. So, okay, we need to we we need to talk about Fahrenheit. Yes. So I um I asked you to pick your favorite steamy scene from one of your books and you came to me with this one and so I want I want to talk about the book first the premise of Fahrenheit I think was pretty awesome you're talking about um correct me if I get any of this wrong but we have a female journalist in Los Angeles working for a publication that she's not quite the right fit for and so she's out to prove to the editors that she can do this. She wants, she edits the magazine. She wants to be a writer, but they don't think that she's, I guess, I don't know, um, adventurous enough Pretty to take much, on the yeah. journalism background. So she jumps into this story, writing a story about underground LA sex clubs. Yes. 
Yes. Where did uh, you come up with this idea? <laughs> you right. know, um, there's two sides to this. Um, one, I was reading a lot of erotica at the time, but I was getting super disappointed that they none of them had like a strong storyline. And I get, I get it. Like erotica is like from one sex scene to the next, and that's what drives the story. But like again, when I was saying earlier, like you still have to have at least a little bit of a strong story for me to really enjoy that. So I decided I was like, I had never written erotica at the time. I was like, I'm going to write an erotica with a super strong storyline and it is going to be funny and it is going to be hot and it's going to be awesome and so that's kind of where the idea started from and then um and then secondly i have a friend who was telling me about these clubs in la but they were for gay men and right. they exist and uh and there are sex clubs and we had kind of talked about it and um and i wanted all the details and so i don't even know i'm sure they exist for straight people there's got to be something like that for them but um, I kind of took that inspiration and kind of made it super flashy with a lot of neon and secrets and everyone, everything's super impersonal. Nobody knows anybody's name. So I just kind of like glamorized it and, okay. um, and took that um, and turned it into something kind of fun. So I'm curious, did, did this idea of like these LA sex clubs, like writing about it, did it bring you out of your comfort zone at all? A little bit more erotic, right? Yeah, for sure. It felt, I mean, definitely I've never been to a sex club or anything like that. So (laughs) it was kind of like more like me asking my friend who had, uh, I won't give names, but I was like, tell me about it. Um, it was, you know, it's funny. I thought it would be more difficult and I think I did stumble in the beginning, but something happened. Like I was able to get through, I read, um, now that I think about it, I think I read some Nikki Sloan at the time and she's got some, I think sort of sex club romances that I was reading and that kind of helped fuel the fire a little bit but it was easier than I thought mainly because I was in love with these characters I really knew what how they would communicate with each other which was super feisty kind of sarcastic she you know uh the the male character is kind of leading her on because he knows that she's sort of gullible and naive and she's just super feisty trying to prove herself uh while both of them are you know uh trying to keep this friends with benefits sort of situation for the sake of the research. Right. So that's, right. she's kind of trying to get this promotion and it's just kind of a cue to push and pull. So how did she connect with Nate, our main character? He, he's sort of the, he's her guide to this world, correct? Yeah. And it's completely accidental. So she wants this promotion and the boss gives her this impossible task and she's like, fine, I'm going to take this task and I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove all of you wrong, but she has no idea where to start. So this book actually has my favorite first line I've ever written. It's also my funniest novel, which is so weird for me to say. That is funny. (laughs) Yeah. The first line of Fahrenheit is I hate the smell of latex and she is yeah and she is standing in a sex shop and that's how it starts and she kind of walks you through the situation and she's trying to figure out what to do because she doesn't know how to find Fahrenheit she's like I'm gonna find this sex club just you wait but she actually has no idea where it's secret no one knows where the entrance is no one knows where the actual place is it's completely unmarked and so she goes to a sex shop not knowing where to start but she goes well you know people who would go to Fahrenheit would go to a sex shop probably and so she goes there and she's like wandering these aisles and she's like looking at things that she doesn't understand and actually she's holding like 
she's looking at like anal beads or something and some dude but she doesn't know that that's what they are she thinks it's like a necklace that her grandma would wear and she's very confused by the whole experience and that's when nate shows up and you don't realize it at the time but it's revealed fairly soon that he kind of knows that she's in over her head she's obviously in like a very she doesn't look like she belongs in that and um he kind of like, uh, I don't know, baits her into a conversation. And he's really attractive, of course. And she's kind of goo-goo at, at first as well. And she, because she wants this job so bad, she sort of feeds into it. But what he re- thinks it is, it's just her complete naivety to the situation. And he mm. kind of, they stumble into a conversation about Fahrenheit because she's trying to like, not so nonchalantly talk about it. And it's kind of comical. And, um, and he's like, okay, I'll be your guide. But he doesn't know at the time that she's writing an article. And it isn't until he takes her there. And it isn't until they get to the actual thing and there's like all these things going on around her. It's really dark and there's nobody knows each other's names. And she realizes she's completely in over her head and she confesses in one like a blurting expl- like explanation. She looks at Nate and is like, okay, I'm not who I say I am. I'm actually this reporter and I'm really scared and this is too much for me and I need to go home. You need to take me home now. And he looks at her and he's like, I know you have no idea what you're doing. That's why you're here because I wanted to mess with you. And they suddenly have the first real honest conversation. And he's like, okay, well, here's an exchange. I, you know, I think you're really cute. And um, how about we do an exchange? You know, you help me out. We'll be friends with benefits and I'll give you all the details and all the research you need for Fahrenheit. And what this kind of turns into is a series of lessons. And they're like sexual lessons of like, you know, losing that personal element or, you know, not needing a person's name and the sexual exploration and understanding this very underground world that doesn't, that is very different from the normal part of society. And that's the part I think that, uh, uh, Lauren, the main character really struggles with is she is looking desperately for a connection and he's trying to tell her it's not about that personal connection. It's all, it's just about sex. And that scene that I had sent you was kind of their first, um, that was like their third interaction. And, um, and the barriers are starting to break down because Lauren's kind of hard not to love. And, mm-hmm. um, cause she's kind of, Nate is a really serious person and he's got his secrets and he keeps his personal life very secret from her. And she always wants to give the details and he keeps telling her like, I don't want to know your life. Like, this is not what this is about. So she's kind of, he's teaching her the ways of Fahrenheit and sort of kind of coming out of her shell while he's kind of, she on the other hand is teaching him to kind of be more open and these conversations ensue. And he's really smart and um, he has this big secret that's revealed at the end too on who he is, but it's just a really fun journey for both characters. So, you know, this is, would you, there is a happily ever after here and would you so would you classify this as more erotic romance or do you feel like it's erotica like i'm always sort of curious what divides those those genre you know the sort of subgenres you know i didn't really uh, i didn't really realize there were subgenres is there is erotica like erotic romance is that considered more with like when you say hea like at the very end are those more like based on that story element um i always think the big differentiator on fahrenheit is the comedic aspect i don't read a lot of eroticas that are equal parts funny to like steamy um but it's definitely very sweet at the end it has uh, a really great never been kissed moment i don't know if that's another 90s i love that movie (laughs) if you like never been kissed it's got a huge never been 
kissed moment um, at the very end. Um, that's very sweet and very funny. And it kind of wraps all of the story together. So if erotic romance is the sweeter side of erotica, then that's probably where this falls in line with. Right. Because I always felt like erotica, you're never guaranteed a happily ever after. There is cheating. There is, you know, there's all of the these things that are kind of taboo to write about that would never fly with romance readers. With erotica, it's a bit more anything goes. Yeah, definitely. Then this would be like more erotic romance. I always, uh, any readers listening out there, I always do HEAs. I can't read, personally, I, I, when I read books, I want a happily ever after, or there better be a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately. Um, uh, I love a happily ever after because I don't read books to feel sad or cry. I, and it's something that everyone makes fun of me for. I don't even watch movies that make me cry. So, um, that's kind of, that's kind of my go-to happily ever afters for sure. It's funny with all the authors that I've been talking to for this podcast, we are all about the happily ever after. We are like, don't give us, don't kill anybody. Don't make us sad. Don't break up. Like, this is why we do it ultimately. Yeah, I think because that's, yeah. that's why I read to feel joy. Yeah. That's what I do. I'm like, I'm doing it to feel joy. Not to yeah. cry. I, confession. I have never read a Nicholas Sparks novel because I'm not going to cry. I refuse to cry. <laughs> so. We want joy and we want, want uplift. We don't yeah. want tears. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it takes a little angst to get there, we do yeah. ultimately oh, want joy. I'll take all the angst. Give me all the angst and the broodiness, but I want the happily ever after. Okay. So I am going to read little bits um, that really sort of like grabbed me um, from Fahrenheit so that we can talk and talk about these things. So are we ready? Are you? I'm, I'm ready. ready. Okay. Lauren, he hums, dipping a finger inside me and quickly removing it again, teasing my clit with annoying finesse, toying with the orgasm that's ready to appear. This time I huff out my frustration. Hmm? This is what happens when you piss me off. My eyes flicker open, confused by his words, and the confusion only growing when he lets go of my arms and peels himself away. He's grinning like the smug asshole he's being. He knows it, too when he flashes me that ridiculous, dangerous smile and nips my lips with a quick kiss before pulling away completely. Like days before, he takes the finger that was just someplace very damp and naughty and sticks it in his mouth, his eyes never leaving mine. I don't get it. Why did you just do that, I ask, trying not to pant. When you frustrate me, I'm going to frustrate you. Okay, Nathan's kind of a dick. Yes, yes. Um, I think that he's losing control in that. Um, that's why I really like this scene, because she mm -hmm. is right before this. He, she's kind of trying to break the rules and wanting to talk to him and talk to people in Fahrenheit, because for her, it's research. And he can't seem to control her outside of Fahrenheit. He and it, it bothers him, but he also kind of likes it. And you'll end up learning that, like, he's he's an active member of this club. And um, and I think that's the only way he can kind of pay back because for him, it's sort of a deal. And he wants to keep the lines really solid. And mm -hmm. she's constantly blurring the lines, but she doesn't know it. She's just because she doesn't understand the world. So right. what she she he considers it a lesson. Like you need to understand these rules are put in place for a reason and you can't break them. And this is what happens when you break them. You're breaking my rules. Well, I'm going to break your rules and I'm going to, I'm going to keep your orgasm as mine in, um, until you kind of follow my rules, but she's kind of, and she's sort of understanding it. So I think that that scene is actually lesson three, um, so, of the, of the story. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, clearly when you're writing this, like, 
you have to, you know, we have to write likable characters. And so for, for Nathan, when you're building a kind of an alpha male, somebody that we don't really is kind of a dick, you know, like, is that a yeah. dick? but, but you're still like, even in, like in the scene, I'm still finding myself rooting for him and rooting for her and rooting for this relationship. And I'm, and it's a very fine line. And I'm sort of curious how you balance that. I think, um, I, I think dialogue is obviously a key. I think that their banter is kind of goes back and forth between serious sexual tension to really, really playful. My favorite part about Fahrenheit is that, uh, Lauren is always teasing Nate about being the, uh, the, how he's the hero. And he's like, no, I'm the villain. And, um, and she ends up actually calling him Batman and he doesn't know it the entire time. His code name throughout the book is Batman. And, um, and which is really, really funny. And she, I think it's just this where he wants to be someone he's trying to go. No, I am this, like you said, like, um, kind of a dick. I am an asshole and I am this like macho, uh, you know, leading guy and you're, that's who I am. And she's kind of saying, no, you're not. And I think that's kind of the playful part that everyone wants to live, like be this persona and she's just so real and he, she wants those real parts. And I think it comes out in their conversations a lot. So, um, and that's what I want to go for is I, because I think that feels real. I think everyone wants to pretend to be somebody. And then when you start to get to know them, you know, they're sillier and they're funnier and they're, you know, when they're, you get them relaxed and she always wants to get them relaxed. But again, I don't think she knows exactly what she's doing because she's just being honest in herself. So, um, yeah, I think that's the fine line. <laughs> okay. So there's another, I'm going to go into another scene that's <laughs> sort of, you know, like really, I think spoke very late to what you're saying, but from Lauren's point of view. So, okay. I'm just going to read. <laughs> okay. I exhale. Do me a favor. My eyes flicker up with determination. What's that? Kiss me. He doesn't answer or warn me. He just does as he's told, reaching for my face without apology and kisses me as if all he was waiting for was permission. The pressure of this kiss dissolves my doubt and misplaced feelings, and I focus on how attracted I am to Nate. I can do no strings attached, I tell myself. Powered by his lips, why would I want to stop? Okay, she totally can't do no strings attached. Oh, completely. That's like, <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what I got just from reading this little. I was completely like, not. oh, you can't do that. You no. can't do that. So you know, even though everything about this moment, you know, says she can't, even though she says she can. And so I'm like, what in this moment led that led me to this discovery? Me going, You're lying, girlfriend. Like what there was just and it was just this little tiny exchange, and I was like, Yeah, no, she can't do that. She can't do it. She can't. And I think she spends majority of the book trying to convince herself that she can, because just like the project itself, she's trying to prove that she can do this job. And then yeah. to do this job, she wants to, you know, failure isn't an option. Everything is riding on the line. And so it's almost like that inner monologue is her pep talk. She's like, I can do this. I can do this. You know, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to kiss me. And that's when I have control, which shows me that I can do this. But really there's no control at all. She has none of it. And that's the comical part too. I think Nate yeah. knows he has all of the control. It starts to unravel slowly, but surely um, mainly because 
friends with benefits rarely ever works out. So, <laughs> I mean, rarely ever works out. So, um, you know, I think it falls in line with learning what Fahrenheit is. And, um, you know, there are two sides to Fahrenheit. You can have the no strings attached, right? When you're there and you're just there to meet with strangers or there are couples who can go and make it work. But for her in this research, uh, she definitely is getting way in overhead. I mean, she's super sheltered. She's never had friends with benefits. I, and every relationship she's had has sort of fallen apart. She's very stumbly and kind of like comical in and of, her, of herself. So she's trying to be this sort of super sexy minx type character and her constant pep talks make it obvious. Like you're right. She, she can't do it. She, no matter how many pep talks you give herself, she's, she can't do it. But it's cute. It's cute. It's cute. <laughs> Well, this was okay. So I, I, we, you've mentioned the humor and the comedy elements into, you know, and, and layering them into erotica or erotic romance, which was, I thought so awesome. So this is a little moment that I, that I highlighted because I just thought it was so great. He leans over buckling one leather cuff around my wrist. Like it, and I like it soft, warm texture against my skin. He loops it through the large metal ring that's on the headboard. The ring's purpose becomes clear. He buckles the other cuff on my free wrist. He makes sure that it's comfortable and secure on each wrist by sticking, by sticking a finger into each cuff, testing the space. He sits back to examine his handiwork. How does that feel? What's the appropriate response here? Can I say kinky as shit? Probably not. <laughs> So again, like we've got the inner monologue going on here, you know, I mean, this is like, they're in this private room and there's a bed and it's like clear that like we're some kink is about to happen. And like, and, and I was like, oh my God, this, I love that there is this, you know, super sexy erotic book here, but, and, and these intense moments and you drop in the humor. And I was very curious, like, how do you sort out the pacing of this? I, you know, writing these scenes felt really natural. I'm just going to go super personal. I remember like having my first boyfriend and he was like, you want to try something sort of kinky? And I was like, um, sure. But I like cannot be a serious person. And I remember like getting these questions or like wanting to do these things and they felt so over my head. And I was like, I, they all almost felt funny to me, even though I wanted to like be that person. And right. so writing Lauren, I think that's a little bit like, I feel like every girl thinks that in every first time situation where it's yeah. like, you like, what do you want me to say to that? And I think that it just, again, from Lauren's perspective, what I love about this character is she is just so real, like, but she's filtering. Right. So we get her like wonderful internal dialogue. And I, I just keep thinking like, when you write that flow, if someone is asking you like, how does that feel? Like, doesn't it feel almost silly to be like, it feels so fucking good. Really? You're just like, I mean, this is crazy, isn't it? Like, that's what I keep thinking. I, go, I mean, isn't this bananas? Like that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I always call it, I mean, my friends call it like the awkward, awkward girl drama. You know, the, we're always the awkward girls and and, uh, you know, we always joke that it's hard to be like the sexy one. How does one even be the sexy one? Um, and I think, I think Lauren is super sexy, but she does, has no idea. She's just awkward. So she's just kind of going with it. And I just kind of, when I write these scenes, want to stumble with it, with her together. And, um, I keep thinking like, what would be the hilarious thing that I would say or think, 
um, but know that I have to keep to myself. I think it just adds to the realness to it as yeah. well, that like not everyone, especially in erotica, uh, you know, when you read erotica, sometimes not everyone's going to stumble into every sexual situation and know exactly what to do. I'm 30. How old am I now? I'm like 32. I still stumble in every situation. So like, I, I think it just makes it real. But again, she wants to prove herself. So I try to just kind of pace the conversation, pace those scenes, like, right. um, you know, as if a real genuine person was kind of going through them, uh, especially Lauren, just because she is just so normal. She's just normal. I love that. I, cause I think, okay, yes, yeah, sex can be serious with all the feelings and mm -hmm. everything else, but then also sex is really friggin' funny. Yeah, it is funny. And I think when you find the right partner that can really come out and I wanted, I think, it goes back to that connection. I keep saying the connection, connection. I think it comes through with Nate and Lauren that the connection is stronger when you can kind of giggle with them, when when it's funny and sexy. I think that it, it creates a stronger bond because there's a level of comfort. I think not every sexual situation comes with a level of comfort. It really depends on your relationship with that person. And I think when you're able to confidently add a little bit of comedy to it, it can actually make it sexier because it feels deeper right right okay so now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into the sexy okay um like, okay because this is this i thought was fantastic and i can't write this way and i'm like so uber like in awe and i'm like okay we need to talk about this okay <laughs> what are you doing i ask needing to feel grounded in some way because right now i feel like i'm floating and having an out-of-body experience as i try to piece the scene together without sight because we should i should add she's blindfolded <laughs> i'm touching myself as i look at you naked tied up in that bed i swear you'd think he'd just given me the directions to the public library by his tone my mouth falls slack going speechless i give in to my reflexive need to pull on the restraints the metal of the cuffs against the against the ring clank loudly how are you feeling lauren he says through another groan and i picture nate touching himself in front of me his hands riding up and down his hard shaft my teeth come, come down to my bottom lip to restrain a mew of neediness. Lauren, hmm? A little hot and bothered, he questions teasingly. My lips twitch as I reply with a breathy, maybe. Are you wet just thinking about me touching myself? I chew my lips, knowing I should answer, but embarrassment wins. I can't form words. He doesn't seem to mind, and if I could guess, I'd say he's probably smirking over it. Tell me, Lauren, what do you want? You're going to have to tell me, or that wet pussy of yours is going to be very disappointed. Okay super dirty talk here <laughs> super hard to write how do you do it so it doesn't sound all cringy like i struggle with the dirty talk i do too i know it doesn't seem like it but i definitely do um i think i don't even know like i must have been in a groove when i wrote it <laughs> like, I, um i think that i I think that writing that scene, especially because she's blindfolded, I think what helps with this story a lot is that Nate is teaching her mm -hmm. and she doesn't, this is something that she's never experienced. She's like, what do you say to those type of things? And I think that that's what makes it, um, makes it sort of great is that he is saying these things and they are naughty and they are kind of crazy. And that makes it almost easier to write because she's kind of it's a lesson so she wants to be that person and i i don't know how to else to explain it i it's kind of like uh lauren 
I, I don't write many, many eroticas, but this, just even talking about this book, I'm like, oh, I really need to write book two. And, and <laughs> um, uh, you know, I just feel like that made it a lot easier to write a scene like that. And that's, that's kind of how I try to write scenes too. I think that I, I want to believe that each character is teaching the other one something, whether it's like on that personal level, like, because again, like sex with anybody is really layered, you know, uh, you get to know them. And I think that each sex scene, especially between these characters, um, they're learning a little bit about each other. And sometimes Nate is trying to live up to Lauren's expectations, but a lot of times it's Lauren trying to live up to Nate and kind of, because she wants the position so bad and she's an avid learner, like in the sense of like the world. So she wants to be, um, she wants to live up to that expectation and, and, and understand it. And I think she falls into it a lot easier too. Um, but it definitely is hard to write those scenes, but I think that that, that teaching element helps the ease of writing it. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, don't know. I, I just was like, Oh my God, that sounds so good. Thank you. I think I was reading a lot of erotica at the time too. Um, you know, I always, I, I'm a true believer as a writer, like you have to read a bunch to, to, you know, stay keyed in and, you know, with all the inspiration, right. there's so many great writers out there they and, are. um, yeah. just, they're all incredible. And, um, I think I'm talking that's, to that's all key. of them. I'm talking yeah. to all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are so good. And I feel like I just, when I read them, I go, God, I want to write like this. Um, and that's like the biggest way to learn is through other people. So at the time I was reading a lot and I thought you got to find your own style as well. And, um, I'm all about pacing too. I never want scenes to drag. So, yeah. um, so I definitely, I try to keep the pace really, really high um, and also so you can ride that wave of the characters. I don't know, the flow, I, I wrote that kind of a long time ago and hearing it and I, when I was picking out scenes and reading it, I was like, oh man, I miss this book so much. So thank you for enjoying that scene. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I wish I had a better answer. Um, sometimes you're just in the flow. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you're just in it. Well, I wanted to also sort of connect because we've talked about within your book, the humor and the comedy elements and the, you know, the awkwardness. And then, so you have all of this going on and I loved that there was sort of like the, the uber nerd, you know, Batman thing. And so there's a real sort of comic book trope that you're pulling into this, which I think was also so fun. And then, so you're having like fun with these characters and, and kind of laughing. I, I don't want to say at them, but I would say with Lauren, we're laughing with Lauren. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then you hit this one, this sort of spot. And I just was like, that, that like punched me in the feels. Uh, so I'm just going to read it. With his eyes anchoring me to the spot, you'd think under their gold intense gleam that I'd be intimidated more than what I, more than when I had had the blindfold on. But on the contrary, I see the fire in his eyes reflect the same need my body is currently raging with, and I'm in love with the intimate connection that combusts between our connected line of vision. Oh my god. Oh my god. Can I write like that again? Like Oh my god. <laughs> like we have just gone because like 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 seriously, like just a couple of sentences before this, we've got how bad do you want my cock in your pussy? Like there's got this like really erotic conversation going on. And, you know, and it's serious, dirty, dirty talk going on. And it's just about fucking and sex. And, and then, and then we hit this, this one, you know, small, small paragraph. And it just like, it just changes the whole dynamic so beautifully. 
and it anchors it into romance right there. And I was just like, you know, my, my note on that was, wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I think I'm stumbling over my words a little bit about that because that was the only thing that I could think of, you know, especially reading all the erotic, 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 and then getting really into, you know, the love. I'm in love with the intimate connection. No, Lauren, actually, I think you're in love with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you think know? that's it. That's exactly what's going on is she is starting to fall in love with this connection. And I think she, it's it's hard to identify what that connection is when you're in that situation. And, um, and it's definitely different. And, but again, like it's that the the connection is what brings it like all together. And, um, and I think that that's kind of one of those moments where she realizes that the situation is really difficult, but it's very easy with him. And there's something magical about that. But again, she can't really define it for what it is in that moment, but the reader can, the reader knows exactly what's going on in that moment. And there's a lot of question of whether, cause you don't hear Nate's point of view. Does he get it? Because he's trying pretty hard for most of the story to keep her at arm's length. But in that moment, I think it's really obvious that, Lauren is starting to get in way over her head and it could either end really terribly for her and her broken heart, or uh, it could go really, really well. So, um, but disaster could entirely ensue, but it's, it's hot and the connection is great. And I think that like, um, you know, it's, it's statements like that, that make you want to see those characters together more. Sex is so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, you know, and then when you add the, that really great connection, um, it's just, you, you want more. That's what keeps the page turning. So you had mentioned, we don't, you know, we don't know what Nate's thinking. Do you, in this book, are do you write Nate's point of view at all or no? It's, it's strictly from Lauren's, uh, Lauren's perspective. It, there is Nate's point of view is in there. Um, okay. actually I'm going to, I need to make sure I'm pretty sure Nate's point of view is in there. Uh, I have, it's been a long time since I've written that book. <laughs> Uh, um, because I, you know, that's the other thing that sort of always kind of vexes me as a writer is writing that male point of view. And, you know, I'm very curious about writers who do do that. And a lot of writers do that. There are very few romance books that are solely one point of view lately that I've been reading lately. I think it was more a thing, um, you know, a while ago, it feels a little almost old fashioned to have that one point of view. Um, yeah, this book is actually only one point of view. All of my mm-hmm. books have multiple point of views. This is the only one uh, other than my newest one, Unwritten. Um, this is a one point of view book because I wanted to keep Nate secret. So, yeah, I was going to say, how do you make yeah. that determination with what, who's, if you're going to include that, the male point of view, or if you're just going to do it from her perspective? Yeah, it's definitely from a storyline, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. If, if I want, um, I didn't want to give too much away. So what I knew was that Nate was going to have a secret and um, I had to decide whether he was going to have a point of view, but I realized that if he had a point of view, the reader would find out too soon what his secret was and why he is the way that he is. So I think I, if I remember correctly, when I wrote this book, yeah, I did start trying to write me in. And then I decided, you know what, it's going, I think it'll be better. And the moment I just kind of pulled his stuff out and reread it, I was like, yes, this, this is what's going to keep the story going. But yeah, it's, it is kind of, it's funny that you mentioned like a little old school uh, with the one POV. Now it's multiple point of views. And it's funny because I, I feel like since I started writing in the genre to see romance and erotica evolve that way, especially even like the first first person point of view as well kind of going through um it's 
it's been really interesting uh, to see how it goes. But I always feel like when you're doing the only one point of view story, I feel like that's when you can have the most flexibility with the secrecy. Like right. you don't really understand what the other characters are going through, but it can also be a little bit of a loss, you know, in the sense where you don't know maybe that the other characters are going through a hard time. So you have to kind of go through that more of the showing than the telling. Right. Right. So, so for, um, for un for unwritten, you had said that was also the singular point of view. So why did you decide to do it that way? Is there also a secret in that or? I think I wanted to make, um, with the, with the connection, I wanted to make sure that you didn't know since he had, she has been gone so long. Um, I wanted the uncovered, the reconnection between them just to be from her side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of conversations between them. If he does have some secrets, you know, she finds out he has a girlfriend and all that sort of stuff. Um, but she is stumbling with it and it just felt better to kind of keep it all in her point of view because she, it, the point of the story is really her finding her herself not necessarily Caden who um it's not even though it's their story it's really her story and because her mom passes away and coming back home to and reconnecting with all of your friends and family after five years is is kind of heavy and crazy so I wanted to make that kind of her only experience um Mm -hmm. her one-sided experience just because you're with her right I am considering writing book two and two POVs but I haven't decided yet so, speaking of books too, you don't do you, you write you write the shorter series, correct? Or are you writing mostly standalones? Mostly standalones. Um, you know what's funny? I wish I could write. Um, my readers would prefer it. Um, I wish I could write more series more often. Uh, my my readers would more, I get comments about it all the time in emails where it's like, hey, are you going to write book two? Are you going to do that sort of stuff? Um, I'm just so bad at it because I get so excited about new ideas uh, that yeah. I want to write that. Or I kind of, I do this to myself and I don't know if any other writers out there, this happens to them, but I will like love an idea so much and think about it so much that I'll literally beat it to the ground in my head that by the time I'm writing it, I don't really want to write it anymore. And it is a completely huge problem. Like Fahrenheit, I actually have book two completely, like for the most part, I think like plotted out, but I had loved the story so much and thought about it so much. And by the time I got around to writing it, I, I kind of like lost interest because I had already kind of plotted a new idea. So, um, it's a total author problem and, um, I need to be better at it. I, I, the one thing that all my author friends tell me is you need to write your series. You need to, you need to continue writing these series. Um, but I feel like I'm more of a standalone writer, but I hope to evolve. (laughs) I want to evolve. Well, now that we've pulled Fahrenheit out again, maybe it's time to revisit the sequel, you know, the second book. Yeah, I, I should. Would this still be around the same two characters or would you move on to different characters? Uh, the second book that I have outlined is actually about um, a, an additional character. Uh, Lauren has a roommate who you find out she's had a kind of a crush on that they've almost had this sort of, 
you know, I don't know, everyone, I don't know if girls can relate, we've had this friend who's a dude who it's like you're dating, but you're not dating, but there's a lot of sexual tension and maybe you've kissed once. It's kind of like that, but it's also like her best friend and they're roommates and he's sort of a, a woman, like a, a ladies man. And um, in the book in Fahrenheit, when she starts sort of seeing Nate, he starts to get really mad because, right, the dude always wants what he can't have. And now all of a sudden, even though he's been like totally ditching her romantically all this time, now he's like, wait, she's really great. But at the very end, and, you know, he loses, he loses her uh, romantically because he realizes, right, that maybe he did really love her or really like her and he just took it for granted. So, um, but he's also kind of pissed off and he wants into Fahrenheit and, um, and he's got lots of questions. And the second book is how his, her roommate kind of finds his way in um, accidentally as well um, and ends up meeting somebody who works there, who's actually the hostess. She's actually mentioned in Fahrenheit. Her name is Nina and she's the hostess and, um, and how like he gets himself into a lot of trouble trying to get into this club because he's really not supposed to be there. So a little bit different, but also very funny, um, super raunchy. Oh my gosh, you should write yeah. it. You should write it. That know, actually sounds like a really great follow-up. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I will now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stay here and tell you what you should write. That, <laughs> that does sound like a really great follow-up. Yeah. Oh my God, you should totally write that. <laughs> okay, real quick before I let you go, because I'm totally keeping you longer than I said I would. <laughs> I do want to talk about your podcast, Book Babes and Bubbles, because it it's such a fun podcast. And, and so tell us... Where did this come from? Why did you guys decide to do this? Like what topics? Like let's let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah, pandemic musings. That's really what I call it. Um <laughs> I I have a really good friend of mine, Kara. We've been friends for years and years, and we just recently discovered, I mean, she knew I was always a writer, but I guess I just recently discovered that she is like a maniac reader and um and she's funny. Like I'm funny, but she is like next level hilarious. And I was like, hey Kara, like uh, at the time we, during the middle, beginning of the pandemic, I was furloughed for like a month and then I went back to work, but like, you know, the world shut down and I was like, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? Like would this, is this something that you might be interested in? And she was so for it. And we just started brainstorming ideas and talking about books. And she was like, this is the life that I, you know, this is what I need during these really chaotic times. Right. And uh, we decided to just kind of go for it. And, uh, we talk about well, literally, it's book bays and bubbles. So we definitely talk about books, but we usually pair it with some boozy drink. And <laughs> um, uh, lately, I've been drinking a lot of margaritas. Um, and we kind of we try to pick a book and we talk about it. Um, I think we're I'm not sure if we're going to focus mainly on romance and do other books, but recently we did some more popular books. We did Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes because of that Hunger Games sort of like craziness. We're actually about to review Midnight Sun, which we both struggled with so hard. And um, and then we also have some side episodes called Books and Bites that are part of the same thing where we kind of just talk about current events or ourselves. Like we talked about Halloween. We always try to loop into each episode a book element or and stuff like that. So in the spooky episode, we talk about movies and scary books and then um, in previous episodes, um, we've talked about, um, we, we actually re-listened to all the Twilight. We watched, rewatched all the Twilight movies yeah. and then like listened to the, some of the music and kind of talked a bunch of like hilarious trash and, but how much we loved the music of those books in prep for our read of Midnight Sun. So it's just like 
a lot of fun and we just just have a good time. It's really just an excuse for us to hang out. Um, and, uh, and we can't wait to actually do this podcast in person (laughs) when the pandemic is over, but it is so much fun. And we love talking about, uh, books and booze and current events and memes and all that sort of stuff. So it's just, it's really new, but it's a lot of fun. It is super fun. I love listening to, um, you two together. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You guys are really great. I've, I actually, I need to listen to the, the twilight re rewatch, uh, that you did. I, I didn't specifically because I've never, I, I can, I can say I've never actually watched the movie. Um, because every time I've tried to watch it, I've fallen asleep. Well, um, no one's blaming you for that, (laughs) (laughs) which is hilarious because, you know, I'm not one of those anti-Twilight people. I read the book. I actually, I love the book. Um, I don't want to, it's weird. My, my relationship to Twilight, cause I didn't love the book. I, that's kind of a lie, but I couldn't put the book down. So if that, if that means, if, if that is a sign of loving the book, then I guess maybe I did love the book because it was like one of those things where I was like, I don't care that it's three in the morning and I have to work tomorrow. I have to keep (laughs) reading, you know? Um, so I was really curious about the movie and I was kind of excited about the movie because I'm a big movie fan. Like, you know, my day, my pre pandemic day job is in arts and entertainment. Um, you know, so specifically looking at, you know, performance has always been in my life for, you know, since I was 12. And so I was like, kind of really excited for twilight. And I, every single time I started watching it, out like a light after I would say the first 20 (laughs) minutes and then I wake up and it's like that weird fight scene at the end and then it's over and I'm like what just happened and it's not like okay I was really tired so I'm gonna try it again no I've tried it three times and three times I fall asleep at the same time wake up at the same moment and just drag myself to bed because it's like I I don't know what it is about that movie I can't get through it it puts me to sleep well, if it's any consolation, I have read the Fifty Shades books, but I cannot get through the Fifty Shades movie. I fall asleep 20 minutes into it every single really? time as well. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Which is funny because Fifty Shades is like a, based on like a fan fiction of Twilight and like, which is just silly, but, um, but I fall asleep. Like I have never been, I own the movie and I've t- tried like five times. It's like, I'm going to watch this movie. I fall asleep every time. And I'm not the type of person that falls asleep in front of movies. Like, I really don't. (laughs) And this one, which I was just out. I was like, done. And it's it's not like it was a fluke. Again and again and again. I can't do it. That's so funny that you have a movie like that, too. Yeah. And um, And then we... And then it's Fifty Shades, yeah, <laughs> and I can't get through it. Um, yeah, when we rewatched it, I definitely struggled getting through it again. I think it's always good when you're like watching the movies as you know they're coming out too. I feel like that's the only way I was able to get through the movies. Really, the best part of that episode is we go through the soundtracks and I play clips of it, and we just gush over the fact that like, oh my god, I was at this point in my life in high school and we were listening to this, and and I get told sort of trolled for liking New Moon so much. my friend's like that's the worst one I was like but it's my favorite she's like I'm gonna hang up (laughs) Alex where can people find you I am pretty much everywhere on social media. Um, you can get me on my website, which is alexrosa.org. I'm most active on Instagram. My uh, username is oh underscore Alex. Uh, and you can also find me on Facebook. You can just search Alex Rosa. But I'm pretty much alive on all social platforms. Come follow me, stalk me, hang out. Let's connect.
Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thank you. It was so much fun. This it is so great. It absolutely was. So um, you'll have to come back, and especially when you write Fahrenheit Part 2. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, that'll give me enough fuel to write Book 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Credit me, fans. Credit me. <laughs> Alex, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.